Um, hi everyone, thanks for listening. I'm Sam Thompson, copywriter at BTL, and I'm here with Ben Brady, cross-channel marketer, to chat about the recent EATP conference in Madrid. Um, so Ben, this was your first time attending um, EATP, I believe, um, but I know you're on the steering committee for it as well. So um, can you just tell us a little bit about what that role involves exactly? Yeah, okay, so my first time at EATP, I've been to the ATP over in the States before. Um, with regard to the steering committee, um, basically the, the conference is run by a core team, if you like, at designing events, but then the steering committee is made up of different people from all kinds of assessment companies um, around the world, really, but with a focus on Europe for EATP. As part of that steering committee, um, we, we gather every fortnight, let's say, on phone calls, uh, there's about 20 of us altogether, possibly more, but on the call at any one time is usually about 10, 12. And we just have a say in anything that comes forward. So any from around this time of the year, December, uh, we just had our first steering committee meeting for next year's EATP conference. And we spend a bit of time at first going through the feedback, that kind of thing, look at what people like, didn't like. And then that moves into what should we put on for next year? We discuss the keynotes, who you know, put suggestions forward. And then that moves into marketing. We work together with the marketing team and give them feedback on materials, things like that. So we, we touch all kinds of areas of the conference, really. So it sounds like a really um, collaborative effort then and obviously planning starting way in advance of the actual kind of next event coming up. Yeah, so anybody out there that's ever been involved in planning an event, um, even if it's just a, a birthday party, will know how much it actually involves. So when you've got several hundred people thousands of people potentially um, coming to a place in, in Europe and you've got to work on bringing them all together. There is a lot to, to crack on with. But it is a wonderfully collaborative atmosphere. It's really friendly. So even though we're all from, I suppose you would describe as competitor organisations in many cases, um, when it comes to EATP, that is a gathering for the industry. It's one where we all share and put our ideas on the table and as the steering committee I think that's where all that starts you know we we put our individual companies aside and come together to work together on EATP. So thinking about it um, from a delegate point of view then as well because obviously you were had a hand in the organisation of it but you also attended as a delegate yeah. um, to the event if you kind of had to summarise it from that perspective um, kind of in just a few words what would you say? So we, we had a, a little practice version of this, and I think the term that I came up with, lots of, uh, there is lots of collaboration, lots of sharing, lots of questions, lots of different organisations. And for me, the key thing is a delegate. Um, so bearing in mind that I'm coming at it from a vendor side, if you like, we exhibit and everything else. Um, so I'm probably slightly different to somebody who works for a testing organisation, an, an awarding organisation. But what we actually do is we see people all coming together to, even though they're from different industries, so doctors may talk to somebody working in finance, and the, the issues that come up with testing, how do we keep it consistent, how do we keep it fair, how do we do what's best for our candidates, that's the same across any testing organisation. Um, and it's the same for us vendors, we, we need to understand that so that we can create the best possible products for those organisations to go and then deliver those secure, fair, accessible tests. Um, so yeah, lots of, lots of collaboration, lots of sharing. I think the events like this really just help everybody to, uh, you know, get those 
pinpoints out on the table and then come together to fix them. And as a result of it, the assessment industry benefits. Yeah, I think what you just said there kind of echoes the thoughts of um, what we're going to hear in a moment. Um, so while you were at the event, you actually, um, between kind of going to presentations and things, you actually found um, time to speak to some of the um, attendees and presenters. <laughs> um, appreciate that everyone's quite busy at events like these, but um, we've got kind of uh, three um, kind of clips that we're going to play in a moment. So. Um, the first one we're actually going to listen to is with um, Andre de Champlain. So he's from the Medical Council of Canada. And he was uh, presenting, I believe, on the past, present and future of technology, particularly in relation to medicine. Um, so I had a little listen to this earlier. Um, and I was, I found it really interesting. I, I was surprised um, by the data he had on the volume of new research in this field that's being produced. And I think it, it really makes you appreciate what those practising in the field have to do to maintain that knowledge and maybe what the best way of them doing so is. Um, yeah. So should we have a, a little listen to, to what Andre had to say? Yeah, I'm here at EATP uh, where I've just been listening to Andre de Champlain and he's kindly agreed to give us a couple of minutes on his uh, speaking experience. Uh, Andre, would you like to introduce yourself, where you're from and the topic of your presentation today? Sure, um, I am Andre de Champlain. Uh, professionally, I'm director of uh, psychometrics and assessment services at the Medical Council of Canada in Ottawa. And briefly, we are the organization that develops uh, licensing exams uh, to be used with all physicians in the country. To ease you into the uh, conversation, I suppose, how have you found your time at EATP so far? Great. I really, what I enjoy in particular about this meeting is sort of the interaction of assessment and also technology, which I think is becoming, going to become increasingly uh, necessary as we move forward with AI and other types of technologies. Very good. And uh, have you been to many of the sessions? I know you said you only got here around midday yesterday when it was kicking off. So uh, Mostly the most recent one I attended was the plenary this morning, which was focused largely on technology and the growing role of technology and assessment, which was very interesting. Featured people from uh, ACT and GMAT and other organizations throughout the world. Yeah, that was the CEO yes. session, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I found it quite interesting. Uh, there was one presenter and uh, he'd come from his background was Nintendo yes. working on the brain training apps yes. and that kind of thing and then he's kind of moved into the assessment sector but brought that gamification yep. technology as well as the brain scanning. So the, there's lots to take away from all of these, but what uh, I want to talk to you about is your session that you've just presented. The session in general was on the past, present and future of technology and performance assessment. And the take that I took, obviously, given my background, was how this was impacting, how it has impacted, is impacting, and will continue to impact medicine in particular and the assessment of physicians. So at a high level, that was the purpose of the presentation. Um, just to give a summary, what's really motivating this, I think, in particular for medicine, is uh, on the one hand the explosion of information, of clinical data that physicians have to contend with. As I pointed out in the presentation, medical knowledge now doubles roughly every 73 days. Yeah. There are nearly 2 million medical journal articles that are published annually, so it's becoming increasingly difficult to think of assessing physicians the good old-fashioned way, mm. which is here's a test, tell me what you know, basically. Yeah. Um, the other factor which is impacting this greatly 
is how uh, technology, in particular artificial intelligence, is taking a hold in certain pockets of clinical medicine, in a good way, uh, augmenting what humans do. It's never a matter of replacing, in my opinion. So given those two realities, what does it mean to assess physicians moving forward? And I think that was the intent of the session generally, and certainly for the paper that I presented. Yeah, I think just to, if I can ad-lib slightly, you mentioned uh, two things that really stuck with me. The the idea that there are so many journals, everything else, it's like it vastly outweighs what the human mind is capable of retaining. So yes. we could never realistically judge somebody on, can you remember this one line from this one yeah. journal printed then? Uh, the other thing was the, the growth of technology. You know, we're using Apple Watches, Samsung Watches, all, all that kind of thing that's in the future very real possibility that will constantly be blipping data to your physician yes. GP um, and then it's up to them to kind of go oh there's a heart murmur you need to come and see me but realistically they won't have the capacity or perhaps the knowledge to know what to do with that we right. need to help them understand quantitative data yeah and that's where I view it as assistive technology if physicians can focus on the really complicated types of situations and technology can help them to narrow down what is very bread and butter and maybe doesn't need their attention immediately versus what's really critical, I think that's where technology really has a, a major role to play. It impacts assessment, if I can just add quickly, because testing you on things like what you know, while certainly that will continue to be important, there is a knowledge base we need to assess with physicians, any professional, but there are skills that we're not measuring very well right now that you're going to have to measure, i.e., how do you use these machines, like a very procedural kind of skill? How do you go about in, um, identifying the information that's relevant? How do you apply it? All those kinds of skills are things that will be very critical for all professionals in the future to assess. Very good. And if you don't mind, just quickly, if you've got time, um, you mentioned automatic item generation and the idea of macroscopic approach. I've heard this referred to as longitudinal testing, you know, so where doctors are maybe getting the an email question, doing that. Someone mentioned yesterday oh. the one-minute question. Yes, Do you have yes, any thoughts yeah. on that? Um, I think those two things are a little bit different. They're both important extremely. Um, the automated item generation idea essentially is... Uh, to optimize the way we write test items. That's essentially what it is. So instead of writing item by item as we would with a committee, the good old-fashioned way, it's thinking of different problems that are critical to assess and then using technology to generate many, many items that target those problems. Okay. The second issue that you raised is really the importance of measuring physicians um, consistently, not only at one or two discrete points in their training. Um, and you're right, there are specialty boards, anesthesiology comes to mind, which is the example you just gave of the MOCA, MOCA Minute, um, where they're essentially tested regularly, which again is a, a great way of ensuring that learning uh, not only continues, but is retained in terms of some of the skills and information that are needed. So. Very good. Well, thank you once again for your time, and thank you for a great presentation. I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of your conference. Thank you. Same to you. My pleasure. Yes. Yeah, so, um, I, I mean, I, I really can't stress enough how much I, I did enjoy listening to Andrea's presentation, and uh, it's, it's a shame for people that weren't there. They only get that, that short soundbite. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of interesting stuff just in that mm. few minutes. Um, I mean, just to pick up on um, just one of the points uh, that he raised at the end there, this idea of longitudinal testing. Yeah. Um, I suppose particularly in the, the medical field, um, it's, it's really interesting. It's something 
we seem to hear mentioned quite often um, recently. Yeah, it's been coming up a lot, um, the idea of longitudinal testing, this, this kind of constant thing. I suppose it, it does slightly tie into the idea of even, you know, if we're talking about digital badges, micro-credentials, that kind of thing as well. But it, it's even more stripped down than that, I think, more to do with uh, continuous professional development. And it's fascinating. He, he was saying about all the journals and everything, all this information that someone's got to take in. And I think it's easy to explain that in medical terms because we often put doctors on these pedestals of being you know, people who save us when we're ill and all that kind of thing. And it's easy to forget that actually they are just human. They're just humans that have studied particularly hard to get to where they want to be. And I think as a patient, when you visit a doctor and you see maybe they've been in their career for 30, 40 years, some of them, um, if there's some way of knowing that they have continued that professional development, you know, things are changing constantly. Um, and you can see that actually they have accurately done an email question every six months or something. It just shows you that they still care. They haven't passed their exams, rested on the laurels, and then they're telling you to go take penicillin for a broken leg or whatever, not that a doctor ever would, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of reassuring for the patient, it's reassuring for the doctor that they still know that, you know, obviously job satisfaction, they want to know that they're doing the best for their patients. And I think that can be applied across numerous industries, um, you know, things like teaching. As a teacher, new methods are coming out all the time. Financiers have probably got new software that they need to deal with, that kind of thing. And um, I'm sure that many people started training 20 years ago before the internet was a thing. And how many of them have then had to go on training courses for using computer software? So it, it all ties back. And let's face it, doctors are busy people. They don't have time every six to 12 months to go and do an exam again let alone study for it and read the masses of information that's, that's coming up. Yeah, it's that idea of maintaining knowledge, isn't it? As opposed to recalling knowledge at a set point in time, yeah. which um, you know can have benefits to, to lots of different kind of um, sectors, really. Um, another thing I, I noticed that was mentioned um, at the start of the interview as well was uh, about that, the session that Andre was part of. He mentioned kind of having presentations from company CEOs. So, mm. I mean, EATP in general, I guess you get quite a, a range of presenters at the event. You know, it's yeah, um, quite a good spread of, of organisations and the people within them. Yeah, a range of presenters and delegates. I, think. I mean, our own um, CEO, you know, Keith, he, he quite often attends EATP and ATP himself. Uh, it, it's a really good way for anybody in the industry to kind of meet people at all levels and understand those needs because a CEO of an organisation might have a very different view as to what they need than, say, the technical director or the director of uh, assessment or something like that. But from our point of view, certainly as software providers, being able to meet all of those people and discuss their, their needs and how they see the business gives us a much better holistic approach. I think from a delegate on the, the other side as well, you know, someone who works in the assessment sector, being able to see CEOs of other organisations and what they've done is just a great way of you know, building on new ideas and, and kind of spawning those thoughts that you, you can take back to your own organisation and share with your own peers. Yeah, so the great thing about events like this, isn't it? It's the opportunities to network and just yeah. really speak to different people. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and this, speaking of which, you, the next person we're actually going to hear from, um, you managed to speak to Belinda Brunner. So as well as being um, Director of Testing at Intellios, Belinda's actually Chair of EACP Conference. Um, so obviously a very busy time for her. Um, <laughs> and I, I guess from being on the steering committee, you kind of had have spoken to her before and things like that, but it must have been kind of nice to actually sit down with her at the event itself. Um, I know she was talking a bit about kind of the growth of EATP and mm -hmm. all the great things about it. So it must have been um, good just to be able to sit with her even just to grab those few minutes. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things, um, and again, it's testament to kind of how friendly everybody is on the, the steering committee and that, but because it's all done through phone calls, well, currently all done through phone calls, um, I knew a lot of names and I knew a lot of voices and what they did, but I hadn't actually met a lot of them face to face. And being at the conference, being able to see them face to face and have that, because when you're on the call, you're with lots of other people, so you, you, you don't really have a chance to say, hi, so exactly who are you and what do you do and how did you get into it? And you start those more personal uh, conversations. So it was really nice being able to meet Belinda and many of the other steering committee members. Um, but yeah, to actually be able to get you know a couple of minutes sat down with her talking about the conference was even better. I'm with Belinda Brunner uh, from the EATP committee. We've just been watching the performance-based testing debate session. Uh, Belinda, would you like to start by just introducing yourself and then a bit about your role in EATP? Sure. My name is Belinda Brenner. I'm currently the Director of Testing at Intellios, which does um, medical-related cert certifications. And my role at EATP is I've been involved in the European EATP for several years, and this year I am the conference chair. How, um, how have you seen EATP evolve over the years? For people who maybe aren't aware of the conference and listening to this, experiencing it for the first time, what what is it, how's it grown, and how, uh, you know, what, what's going to happen in the future? I think we've really grown over the last few years, not only in the number of registrants we had, it's also pleasing to see that we have a lot more diversity in the registrants, um, not only from locations. This year we have um, registrants and speakers from as far away as India and Brazil. So we, we focus on Europe, but it's not just a European conference, which is really nice. And we also have, um, and we're beginning to have have an even bigger mix of the types of organizations that are represented. It's not just um, assessment companies, it's the sponsoring organizations and the awarding bodies. Yeah, I've noticed that myself. There's a, a lot of different organizations, a lot of different uh, topics in the presentations. So I know our own uh, Richard London will be talking in the Ignite session about uh, usability and user experience. And that's some, I think that's going to be quite different to the, the usual topics uh, along the lines of psychometrics and creating better tests, but it's, it's all going to blend together and we, we take a lot away from it. How does EATP link in with the other uh, events in the ATP series? We're all closely related and there are people who attend all four conferences. Um, I think each one of them have perhaps a little bit different flavor based upon um, the, the geographic location and interest. Um, I think one of the things about EATP is not only do we have the psychometric focus, but there's also a lot about just the business of assessment as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so, of course, the 
ATP in the U.S. is the big one, and there are lots of people, and that's great from the standpoint of variety and diversity. Um, EATP, I think one of our strengths is we're still small enough that we can have a lot more networking and individualized experience with meeting people and making connections. Yeah, it's definitely been very easy having a bit of time after each session and, you know, the speakers are just there on the stage, go up and talk to them. I mean, that, that ATP as well, but uh, EATP just seems to have that. I suppose it, it's still small enough that everybody can mingle together in one space and you're not queuing with 10 other people to speak to a speaker. It's, it's all uh, plenty of opportunities throughout all three days. So just to finish off quickly, I know we're only halfway through day two, so there's still another day and a half to go, but do you have a favorite session so far? Are you allowed to have a favorite being? I, I don't think I'm allowed to have a favorite, but I've enjoyed all of the sessions that I've attended and taken bits and pieces from all of them, even if it's been topics that I'm not currently working on. Um, to your point earlier, I think you can relate it in some way to what you mm -hmm. are doing. Um, but I have to say, I did think that the keynote yesterday really set the stage for, for the rest of the conference. Any uh, little tidbit takeaways? Um, I think, you know, we, we keep talking about uh, disruption, transformation, um, AI, and I think one of the big themes is that's not a threat, it's an opportunity. Absolutely, yeah, where technology is moving, but the industry is starting to, well, I say starting to keep up. There's a lot of regulation, but we're moving with that. The technology's there, moving with the industry. So we're all ready, aren't we, to move once we've got the go-ahead. The research is there. The stats are all there. It's a good time to be in the assessment industry. Definitely. It's really interesting to hear about the, the real diversity at the event, isn't it? Um, but also the fact that there's still an emphasis on being able to network with people and I suppose a sense of community almost like we're, we're very keen on that at, at BTL as well aren't we? Um, yeah we, we talk a lot about the SPAS community don't we and sharing and I, I think um, you know EATP as well as other conferences that we go to within the assessment industry that, that's always been a, a prominent thing it's a very very nice industry to work in isn't it we're all very very friendly towards each other. Definitely and I mean and, and hearing about the kind of related events so there's EATP but then there's ATP in the US um, and then other related events as well so kind of yeah. plenty of opportunity to maybe is, is there a slightly different focus of each of the events? So the the other satellite events if you like of innovations and testing do tend to focus more on those local areas um, but we are the world is constantly shrinking. We are a global organization now. You know, we work with other global organizations. And I think one of the great things that I've noticed when attending EATP, and certainly we talk about on the steering committee, and Belinda mentioned then, um, you know, people from India, Australia, I think there's someone from New Zealand at EATP this year. So it's not just, it's like, this is Europe and this is about European testing and, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, right, okay, well, you're interested in seeing how testing goes on in Europe. Or maybe you are an American organization that delivers tests in Europe or you're a European organization that delivers in America. There's just diversity all across the board there and lots of opportunities to kind of hear new things and make you 
you know, open your mind and, and think in different ways. Yeah, so sounds like there really is kind of something for everyone. Um, yeah. One of the things you mentioned when you were chatting to Belinda as well was about these Ignite sessions, which, um, so BCL's head of design, Richard London, actually presented one of those. And the interview we're going to hear next um, with Leanne Kwan from, um, so she's an educational psychologist, so she was doing one of the Ignite sessions as well. Um, and she spoke to you a little bit about her preparations for that, because as I understand it, these sessions, they're the way you get a really short time to present. So you've got to be really concise and potentially get a lot of quite complex information across to your audience um, yeah. in a very short time. So did you actually manage to, to catch Leanne's sessions? I know you, you heard all about the preparations for it. I did, yes. So the Ignite sessions are quite unique in that they're not uh, breakout sessions. They actually take place in the main hall. And because they're so short, I believe it's 20 slides at 15 seconds each. It's based on a, a thing called Petacuccia, where the slides move on automatically. So you don't have a clicker or anything, which I, I can see the fear in your eyes there, Sam, the idea of not having a clicker. And that is how so many people enter these presentations, even people like yourself that are kind of well-experienced um, and I think Leanne will talk best about the, the preparation, so I won't go into that too much. But yeah, they're, they're very informative, but very to the point, kind of like elevator pitches. Um, and so, yeah, I think a good place now to start playing Leanne's interview. Yeah, let's have a listen. And we've just been in the Ignite session at EATP, where Leanne was talking on stage as a part of that group. Would you like to introduce yourself, Leanne? Tell us a bit about where you're from and what you do. Absolutely. So I actually live in Baltimore uh, in the U.S., and uh, I am um, by trade. I'm an educational psychologist and uh, work for a professional testing company where we do test delivery, and I basically oversee a department uh, of uh, psychometricians and content development specialists, and we support clients in their uh, quest to develop better valid uh, and reliable assessments. Perfect. So say you, um, you've just taken part in the Ignite session, so that's where you have five minutes and 20 slides, is that right? 15 seconds a slide. So I think it's based on a thing called Petakucha, mm -hmm. uh, where it's, the idea is like an elevator pitch. So you just got to get up there. You've got to really know your stuff. I mean, everybody looks at it and goes, oh, yeah, they're doing a presentation, but I've seen everybody preparing for these, and it, it's not easy. Like, normal presentations aren't easy. This is, yeah, you've got a lot of guts. How did you feel, and well, why did you do it, and how did you feel about doing it? So um, I basically was invited to do this. I had submitted um, a proposal for another session type, and they basically got back to me and said, hey, would you like to do an Ignite session? And I will have to say, um, you know, I'm never one to turn down a challenge, even though I am presentation phobic. Um, but uh, I thought it would be a nice way to develop my skills. And uh, But I was pleasantly surprised when Sean Doyle, who is a communi communication specialist, contact me, contacted me maybe 
two months ago and said that he was going to help me through the presentation. Um, I was not expecting that. Uh, and so that was, that was really nice to just have somebody coaching me through the process. Um, how I feel about it, I feel great that I did it, uh, but had you talked to me maybe three days ago, I w you would have seen a very different side of me. Um, preparing for it was definitely not easy because we have so much more we want to share and it's really filtering, it's really about filtering down to what's core and what's key and critical and important. And initially I had a script and I had prepped it, but I realized it was taking me more than 15 seconds per slide. And so it was cutting it and being as concise as possible. It was restating things over and over again. I must have sent um, EATP maybe uh, six versions of the slide, um, yeah, because I kept going back and then rearranging things, taking things out. Uh, so it really forced me to think about what was truly important and what I really wanted to communicate and what I wanted the audience to go away with. Uh, because at the end of the day, they're investing their time to come listen to you, and the least that I can do is really help them uh, and, and, and give them something that they felt like it was worthwhile and, uh, you know, attending. Yeah, that, that's great to hear. Uh, one of my colleagues, Richard Lennon, he was also doing the presentation. I was helping him in the run-up sort of to get ready for this, and he, he, same thing as yourself three days ago. He was just panicking, like everything was a script and that, and then he well, performed on stage with the, everyone was fantastic. I thought it was a really good session. Uh, and I think as well, you mentioned there, Sean helping you through with the mentoring and, and that's um, just to kind of talk about EATP a bit and ATP as a series in general. It, that's kind of testament to how well run this is, isn't it? You're not just kind of, hey, do you want to speak? Yeah, right, there you go, there's your room. You know, everything's really well organized. You've got a support structure there. Uh, so it's a really great conference. Uh, just to finish off then quickly, um, we're only halfway through day two. There's still a lot going on. Um, but would you mind giving us a couple of words on what it is about PEATP that you particularly like uh, this, about this conference? Okay. I like this conference because it's uh, because of its diversity. Um, we don't just deal with certification licensure tests here but there's a little bit about education. There's a little bit about uh, technology. Uh, test security is definitely a big theme here. Uh, there's uh, content about translations. And when you translate a test, you know, are you truly retaining the true intent of the meaning of the, of the test question in it, the original language that it was uh, developed in. So I really like coming and, and meeting more uh, different people from different parts of the industry. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's one of the things that I look forward to. Very good. So thank you very much. Uh, just for people listening at home, your presentation uh, was titled... Uh, finding the analysis is best fit. Um, I was trying to compare uh, two different task analysis methodologies, job task analysis and cognitive task analysis. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time here, Leanne. Enjoy the rest of the conference, and I'm sure I'll speak to you again very soon. I really like Leanne's approach to that, maybe out of a comfort zone slightly, um, but really having to think about what you're putting into a short kind of um, what was it, 15 seconds per yeah. slide? <laughs> I mean, yeah, she says she's presentation further out of a comfort zone. I've seen Leanne present hundreds of times, and it, 
if that is true, if she is, then she does a blooming good job of hiding it. She is a fantastic presenter. Um, and, you know, she, she really knows her topic. You know, she talks a lot about psychometrics data, that kind of thing. And she mentioned at the end there, the, the title, even just hearing her say it, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so, um, that, that's one of the many topics. As she said, there's all kinds of things on translation and everything else. So. Yeah, well, that, um, the, the point about diversity came up again there, didn't it? Which yeah. seems to be a recurring thing when, when you were asking people yeah, about... Yeah why they like this um, particular conference. So that obviously is quite a big kind of um, draw for people going to this yeah. conference, the different um, industry types, but also different topics within those as yeah. well. And I think something like the Ignite as well helps. Uh, we, we touched on earlier, you know, Richard did his on usability and the user experience. And you think, well, what's that got to do with testing? And actually, when you see them all as part of one session and everybody's talking amongst themselves about how that relates to them, you think actually, yeah, these are all, th you know, even down to where the buttons are placed on the screen, is that fair if using two different test drivers and one's got a big red finish button and the other one's green, does it make it more difficult for the candidate to know that that means finish? And in China, green and red are swapped, as many people always talk about, and things like that. So you have to localise and things. So there's a lot comes out of these sessions. Um, and like you, you say, again, the Ignite session, very much out of someone's comfort zone. It's like being given an English essay and given a word count, you've got 2,000 words, and you think, you start off thinking, how am I ever going to type 2,000 words? And then before you know it, you've got 6,000, and you switch into, oh, right, where are my key points? How can I condense this Yeah, down? well, you often hear people say it takes a lot longer to prepare for a shorter presentation because mm -hmm. you almost have to really filter down to the key bits of information um, I know from my own experience, um, I've presented a couple of times at this past conference, um, and you know, you get given your time slot, you think, oh, there's plenty of time until you start writing your notes, putting those slides together, and then you find that you kind of have to start editing and think, well, is that really necessary? But I think it's, it's a great idea, though, because especially at long events and things, and when there's lots to pack in, it's great for grabbing people's attention and making sure that those bits of information that are really important that you want people to take away back to their organisations aren't getting lost in amongst stuff that maybe isn't as important. Yeah, and I think as well, um, it's very easy, isn't it, with especially something like this past conference where everybody in the room knows that system, um, but we actually still have people at all levels that might have only just come on board with us or they might have been with us 10 years. And then how do you create that presentation something that you work with every day, all day, and have lots of, you know, we have our own internal buzzwords and shortcuts for things, but actually when you're talking to uh, this past community, you need to refer to the full tabs and things. So it's not just condensing the information down, it's making sure that you've done it in a way that everybody in the room can still understand it and not assuming. Uh, I think that's something that Leanne did really well with hers. You know, obviously it was about data and geared towards people who have a, a understanding of what she's talking about, but I watched her presentation and didn't, you know, as someone who is not a psychometrician, I didn't feel like, oh, well, that was a waste of 10 minutes, 20 minutes. It's like, actually, oh, okay, that's quite interesting. I'd like to go and learn a bit more about that now. And oh, I've heard someone in the office mention that. So there's, there's lots of things that you can... I think it's um, an indication of a, a good presentation, isn't it? Yeah. When, um, even if you, like I say, you're not the most experienced in that area, but you can still take something away from it as yeah. opposed to yeah, maybe exactly. it feeling a bit over your head. Um, 
Well, all three of those um, interviews were really interesting, all quite different in what they were talking about. Um, but for anyone listening who maybe hasn't been to EATP or one of the related conferences or just wants to kind of maybe get involved in conferences a bit more, um, have you got any advice? Because obviously from your experience of um, helping out with the SPAS conference, but also being on the EATP steering committee and attending various events, um, kind of what would you say to anyone who is kind of sitting thinking, oh, I'd, I'd like to get involved in that? I would say if someone's sat there listening to this thinking, I'd really like to get involved in that, you know, where do I start, how do I start? The first thing is just to have a look at the website for a conference that you're interested in, and there's a good chance there'll be a contact on there, shoot off an email and say, I really want to get involved. Um, these type of conferences, you're always interested in hearing from presenters, especially new presenters who can maybe deliver a different take, volunteers to help out with the running of the conference or the steering committee, that kind of thing. Uh, and it's more often than not that I found it, it's a friendly environment. It's you don't really need to be experienced in running a conference. The, the, there is a, a really good learning opportunity there. So if you're new to the assessment industry, don't sit there and think, oh, well, I'm still new in the industry. It's like, you know, just dive in. And this is a great way to learn from people who've been doing it for years. So lots of opportunities. Uh, there's some great conferences out there. I mean, we've talked a lot about EATP today because of the interviews, but in the UK, certainly we've got the um, e-assessment question coming up early next year and the e-assessment awards. Um, we've got the AO forum. The FAB conference is a good one to speak at if you're in, into general qualifications. Over in the US, you've got things like ICE that's just happened for this year. You've got Beyond Multiple Choice conference. Um, th there's probably hundreds more that I just can't think of. Yeah, so plenty of opportunities. <laughs> uh, so find a conference that you think relates to you and drop them an email, ask if there's any opportunities, or uh, yeah, feel free to email me as well and I'll let you know what I've been involved in. Great. Um, well, I think we, we'll leave it there for today. Mm -hmm. um, thank you for sharing your thoughts on the event and um, those really interesting um, interviews that you've kind of managed to fit in. Um, and also thanks to everyone who you did speak to on the day because yeah. it's always really interesting to hear what other people take away from events and sometimes you don't often, you don't always get the opportunity to to really um, hear that. Um, so if, if you have found this um, podcast interesting, don't forget to check out our other Surpass Community podcasts. You can access them from the from our website um, or you can search Surpass Community Assessment Podcast in your preferred player um, and you'll find a, a series of podcasts on all kinds of different topics there. And we're kind of adding to them quite frequently now, aren't we, as well? Um, anything else to remind people of before um, we go? Yeah, if you want to know more about webinars, things like that. So we do have a Surpass Community mailing list. If you go to btl.com slash sign up, uh, just sign up all one word and then that way you'll be sent email newsletters that have information about the SPAS conference when it becomes available, webinars, podcasts, all, all the kind of things so you don't have to be a uh, SPAS customer in, in little air quotes, I'm doing, you can't see that. Um, you know, any, anybody's welcome to join the SPAS community mailing list. Yes, yeah, so it's a, a good way to make sure you don't miss out on anything yeah. that's going on really. Well, that's great, so thank you Ben and thank you everyone for listening. Yeah, thank you.